Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. God, we thank you that you are our hope. Amongst all of the struggles and stress of life, that we have a hope of salvation in you. Father, bless us this day as we open your word and we hear from you. Teach our hearts and our minds and challenge us to be more like you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, today we're going to start a new series, and our series is actually going to be walking through some parables of Jesus. Last week on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, we had vacation Bible school here at the church, and we started this series with the kids. And for the next five Sundays through the month of August, we're going to continue vacation Bible school at 1030 downstairs for our kids. And so what we did last year, we're going to do again this year. We're going to kind of work through the same text and the same theme in, um, in our time together as the kids are having as well. So today I want to direct you to a parable that is in Matthew chapter 13. I want to begin by just reading what Jesus said in this parable. The same day Jesus went out from the house and sat by the lake. Such a large crowd gathered around him, and he got in the boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. We need to understand from this parable that God is the sower. You know, we often talk about what it means in the different places that we plant the ground, and that's how a lot of people interpret this scripture. But one of the things as I was reading over the course of this week that came to my mind, the commentators all agreed on one thing. The unique piece of this scripture is that all of the soil was identical. The only difference in the soil was what was around the soil and what was growing in the soil. Some of the places it had rocks. The scripture tells us there were weeds. Some of it was there was just no moisture in the soil. I think the key to this parable is found in this phrase. How has Jesus changed me? You see, in this day and age, it was not uncommon for a farmer to sow by just simply scattering seeds. Today, if Bob Demuth goes out to plant his crops, 
He will go out and he will till up the ground. He will know what kind of soil he is planting in. But in Jesus' day and age, they would just scatter the seeds and then later they would begin to till the soil and tend to the soil based on what kind of um, product was coming out. The idea of this text is how has Jesus changed me and how am I going to respond to people and situations that I come into contact with? I want to do we allow the message of Jesus to penetrate our hearts so much that it changes who we are and how we respond? You see, I believe that's what Jesus was trying to tell these people in that day as he sat in that boat teaching the people out on the seashore. He was encouraging them to have his words change who they were and how they respond to other people. It made me begin to think about some writings that Paul had later on. Paul, many years after Jesus um, had ascended into heaven, Paul came into a conversion experience with Jesus. We talked just briefly about that last week. And when Paul came into that experience, it changed everything about him. He, became, he left being the chief persecutor of the church to being the chief proclaimer of the church. The message of Jesus so penetrated him that it changed everything about him. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes these wonderful words. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Listen to what Paul writes. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened the door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. I love that phrase. The aroma of of knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those who are sent by God. For we are God's, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ. I love what Paul says in that verse that we are the aroma of Christ. Have you ever thought about that phrase? That we are the aroma of Jesus to the people around us. You know, it made me begin to think, what does my life smell like to God? Have you ever thought of it in that perspective? We all like sweet aromas, don't we? Have you ever walked into your house when your spouse is making fresh, made bread, maybe homemade cookies, 
And that just aroma fills your mind and your hearts and your mouths begin to water and you begin to think about what I'm going to get to eat here in a little bit. I love the smell of fresh break, baked bread or cookies. Maybe it's the fragrance of your spouse with their perfume or their cologne. Maybe it's the smell of the salt water on the ocean that just makes you begin to think that it's time to relax and to refresh. For me, I love the fragrance of gasoline and rubber at a, at a racetrack. To me, that's relaxation, and that's something fun to do. But there are other aromas out there. Maybe you've been in a house where the mold and the mildew smell is all around you, and you begin to think that's not the kind of aroma that you want. Or maybe it's the stench of a skunk. How many of you have ever opened the back door to let your dog out at night, and you smell the skunk all around, and you think, I hope they don't get sprayed? Maybe the smell of a dirty diaper on a baby. It's a horrible smell unless it's a grandbaby, right? Then you're excited about that because you get to take care of them. Our sense of smell was given to us by God for us to allow, to allow us to enjoy the many beautiful fragrances around us. But our sense of smell was also given to us to help us to know when something just isn't right. God uses this idea of smell many times throughout the pages of Scripture. It's not just here in the words of Paul that we are the aroma of Christ. If you go all the way back into the Old Testament, the writers of the Old Testament talk about the law and talk about all of the different things that you have to go through of the law. And one of the things in the law was that you were to establish sacrifices. And the Old Testament writers talks about when those sacrifices are made, they become a pleasing aroma to God, a pleasing fragrance to God. So Paul says... We are the aroma of Christ. But I wonder, are we? Do we allow the Word of God to penetrate our hearts so much so that when people see us, and if I could be a little gross, and when people smell us, they see the fragrance, they experience the fragrance of Christ. Rick Warren wrote many years ago these words. He said that love demands that I move beyond my comfort zone to people with different backgrounds, different educations, different languages, different economics. You see, our mission has such eternal consequences, heaven and hell, that I must be willing to risk anything to get the message out. Those are some strong words, but they're also truth. Maybe I could say it a little bit differently than Rick Warren. He's a lot more eloquent than I am. So I'll just say it very practically. My love for God and my love for others demands that I become the aroma of Christ to them. 
even when I'm not sure what kind of soil I'm sowing in. We oftentimes look at people and we think, I couldn't reach them, or they're not worth reaching. But God says, every person is a child of God and is worth hearing the message of Jesus. And I hope that I am never at the peace of God's puzzle that doesn't allow someone to hear the message of Jesus. I spent a couple of weeks in Arizona with some people that are very dear to me, dear friends. One of them is a Navajo man by the name of Brian Schultz. Love this man. I've known him for about 10 years. The first time I met him, he probably never said five words. We spent a whole day together, and he probably didn't speak at all. He was an angry, bitter man. He had wrestled all of his life with alcoholism. He had wrestled with feeling abandoned and feeling left out. And then God intersected in his life. I joke with him oftentimes. Ten years ago, he, didn't, he wouldn't say a word, and today he doesn't shut up when he's around you. But he's one of those people that just likes to spread the news of Jesus. And he made a comment, and I've heard him say this many times. He said that each person who comes into his life is a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. He doesn't know what that piece will do to the picture of his life, but he knows that each interaction is a piece to the bigger puzzle of his life. My friends, he's right. We are each a piece of a puzzle in people's lives. And when we don't become that puzzle piece that God intends us to be, that puzzle in the other person's life cannot be complete. So how do we go about being the fragrance of Christ? I believe that's what God has called each and every one of us to be. I think the greatest way to be the fragrance of Christ is to actually look at Jesus. What did he look like and what did he smell like? What was it that attracted people to Jesus Christ? I think there are three things. They're very simple things. The first is this. Jesus loved people. Every ounce of him was about loving people. Throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we read the accounts of Jesus' ministry, and we see that Jesus had a deep and abiding love and devotion for people. Throughout the pages, as he taught and as he responded, it was all about loving others, giving to others. In Jesus' own words, as Jesus was being asked by a mother of some disciples. The mom came to Jesus and said, Jesus, will you let my son sit in your right and left hand? And Jesus looked at the mom and he said to her, the son of man did not come to be served, you know the rest of this, but to what? But to serve. Again, Brian's interpretation, Jesus didn't come to be loved, he came to love other people. 
Jesus laid down the comforts of heaven and all of the rights and responsibilities and opportunities of heaven. He laid them down to come and give and pour himself out to people. You know, we live in a world today where everything is about our rights. Well, you don't have the right to tell me to do this. You don't have the right to tell me to do that. It is my right to do this and not that. Do you know what Jesus would say to that? Can I be very meddling for just a minute? He would say that's not right. It's about laying down my rights and giving to other people and loving other people. We have fought for far too long in our country and as a people about all of the rights. Now, please hear me. I love being an American, and I love the freedoms that we have. But one of the greatest freedoms that we have is that we can proclaim Jesus, and we can share him, and we can be the aroma of Christ. And one of the saddest things I see is the church is known for what we're against. And the church is known for how we can divide. The church is not known for loving people like Jesus loved them. Jesus spent a lifetime giving of himself, sharing from his knowledge, and teaching. Jesus loved the lost people. I love as you read through the pages of Scripture. Do you realize who Jesus spent more time with? If Jesus were alive today, he wouldn't be here preaching to us. He would be out preaching to the lost. In fact, in many ways, Jesus didn't like the church people because the church people were all about themselves, were all about what meant something to them. Jesus was about what did it mean to teach the lost and to share with the lost? That's who Jesus was. The command that is repeated most in the New Testament, in fact, it's repeated over 55 times, is to love. To love God and to love people. And this love must be focused outward, not just inward. God calls us to find ways to share his love with those around us. We need to love the lost. We need to find ways to intersect with them and to minister to them and to help them. I love that famous passage from John chapter 4. You know the story well. Jesus has been walking. He goes through Samaria and he stops at the well in the middle of the day and he finds and he talks to this Samaritan woman the disciples have gone off to find some food in the city of Sychar and Jesus has a dialogue with the woman you remember the story don't you he dialogues back and forth and he talks to her and then the disciples come back now the disciples they didn't know what had taken place but the disciples knew one thing, that Jesus was talking to a woman, and it wasn't a good woman to be talking to. And the disciples had something to say to Jesus. The disciples were like, 
come on, Jesus. What are you doing here? Leave her alone. Let her go back. That's not the kind of person you want to be seen with. But then Jesus had something else to say. Listen to the words that Jesus says here in John chapter 4. Just then, the disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking to her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town, and they made their way towards him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you, do not, that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you know, don't you have a saying, It is still four months until a harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and the harvest a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus saying, one sows and the other reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits for their labors. Jesus looked at the disciples and let them know that the importance was to love people, to reach out to people. So I have a smell test for you this morning. I'm not asking you to smell and see if you have B.O. or anything, but I have a smell test. Do you love people? What is your aroma as you walk outside these walls? As people look at you, and hear you, and watch you, and yes, even smell you, are they sensing the aroma of Jesus? Jesus always loved people. Well, the second thing Jesus always did, Jesus met people's needs. We read through the pages of the New Testament, Jesus fed people, he healed people, he exercised demons, he provided fish for people, he washed people's feet, he raised people from the dead, he forgave them of their sins. The list could go on and on and on. All the time, Jesus met their needs. Being like Jesus is understanding that people come first and their needs must be addressed. The fact is, this old saying is so true. People don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. Do we care? Do we meet people's needs? Now please hear me. There is a difference between meeting needs and enabling. And they, we do have to walk a fine line. But I would rather walk the line on the side of enabling than not meeting needs. God calls us as a people and he calls us as a church to bless in the name of Jesus Christ. Not to just simply go through the motions so that we can feel good, but to go through the process of helping those who need help and showing them that 
God loves them. And God wants to meet their needs. Meeting people's needs is about the name of Jesus Christ being glorified. And not the church or not the individual. So again, I want to ask you that smell test. For what reasons do you meet people's needs? Is it just to feel good? Is it just to get a tax write-off? Is it just to go through the motions because that's what we're supposed to do? Or is it because you love the people so much that you want them to know that Jesus loves them too? So Jesus loved people. He met their needs. But Jesus did a third thing. He always taught in interesting and practical ways. I love Jesus' sermons. Um, Jesus' sermons most often were in parables. I just, I have this picture of Jesus sitting in a boat, standing on a seashore, or just standing around, and maybe he had his hands in his pocket, or I don't know how those cloaks worked with pockets and that kind of thing, maybe inside his belt or around, and he would cock his head, and he would say, let me tell you a story. And he would give this story as an illustration. But everything about Jesus was countercultural to that day. The Pharisees, they stood on the street corner. They proclaimed the name of God loudly, but they did it so that people would see them. Jesus, on the other hand, sat on the mountainside telling a story and giving applications. They were drawn to God, and they were drawn to Jesus because they could understand his teaching, because it met them right where they were. Well, let me be honest with you. I know that most people today, most of God's people today, they are scared to talk about Jesus they're scared to talk about him in their workplace. They're scared to bring up that conversation with friends and with relatives. They're scared because we're in a, um, a cancel culture, for one. But I think the greater fear is they're fearful that they won't know the answers to the questions the people ask. Can I let you in on a little secret? you won't know all the answers. And the truth is this. The people want to see how you will respond when you don't know the answers. They just simply want you to be honest and say, I don't know, but let's find that out together. Today, our culture has this mindset of a coffee shop culture I love the mindset. I love going into daily grind. I go in there you know, multiple times a week. I spend way too much money at daily grind. They say I don't, that they would like me to spend some more. But I love the car coffee shop. I love going in, sitting down. It's kind of like the old friend's place, you know, where you just come in, you find people, you talk for a while, and you go on your way. People are looking for a place where they can experience community, where they can experience family. 
2,000 years ago, Jesus modeled that for us by sitting and teaching and being with people. Today, the best communication takes place in homes, sitting around a table. It takes place in a coffee shop where friends are gathered and they're talking. It takes place on a golf course where you're going down 18 holes and you're talking. It takes place in all of the different places that you are each and every day. Can I be honest? It doesn't take place from somebody standing up here talking at you for 25 minutes or so. People want to hear from you. They want to hear your story. They want to hear about your relationship with Jesus. Learning that grows and changes people's hearts comes through authentic relationships that you have built with lost people. So I have a final smell test for you. Are you willing to step out of your comfort zone and interact with people in creative and practical ways that show them the love of Jesus Christ? Church, please hear me. I want to encourage you. People are watching you. People are even smelling you. Far too often, we as churches, we look down at the soil and we think I'm not going to waste my time here I'll put my time over here God wants us to stop looking at the soil and he just wants us to sow he wants us to be about the business of sharing his good news and hearing his good news and teaching his good news a few weeks ago, I flew out to Arizona. My son Josh dropped me off at the airport in Akron, Canton on a Friday morning about 6.30 a.m. Got on the plane, flew down to um, Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, my little plane from Akron, Canton and my big plane that was going to Phoenix were on two different sides of the airport. I love Charlotte Airport because it's, it's a big open airport. I have never seen it that packed. All of the little rocking chairs that they have were filled with people. And I had to walk from one side of the airport to the other side. I'm walking. I have about two and a half hours to kill. So I'm thinking to myself, this is probably a good time to eat something. You know, because you're not going to get food except a little package of um, stale pretzels on an airplane. So as I'm walking across Charlotte Airport, it hits me. The smell of barbecue. You're in North Carolina. Good barbecue. Oh, it was like, it was just, the smell-o-vision was all around me. And I couldn't help but be drawn to that aroma of fresh barbecue. I got to this big open area. Oh, there was Chick-fil-A. There was all the other favorite places that everybody had. But here was some no-name barbecue place. And that's where I went. Because for yards, I had smelled it. And all of my senses 
drew me to that. I wonder, when people get a whiff of us, are they drawn to Jesus? Or are they repulsed? Are we the sweet aroma of Christ that people want to find out more? We talk about what can we do as a church to change the culture. We talk about what can we do to bring people back into the church. Because let me tell you, churches around this country, they are struggling because people are not coming back. The greatest thing we can do, be the aroma of Christ. When people see us, when people hear us, when people sense us with their smell, make sure we are showing Jesus in all that we do. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you that you demonstrated what it meant to be a follower. You sent your one and only son to die so that we would have life eternal, and we thank you for that. Father, I ask that you will help each and every one of us to lay down all of the struggles that we have, all of the inhibitions that encumber us, and to just be your aroma to the lost world. Father, help us to love like you loved. Help us to meet needs like you met. And Father, help us to just be creative. And as we're talking with people that we know, to share the love of Jesus with them. Father, give us boldness. Give us energy. And help us to be your sweet aroma in a world that is struggling. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.